Welcome everyone once again to another episode of I'm Always Right, the number one sports podcast in Metro Detroit. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyka, and with me, as always, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel, and the Brain, Emily Merkel. Mike, how we doing? I'm good. How are doing you? Doing good? Emily, how you doing? Great. Doing good? Awesome. All right, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about some of the big events that happened over the weekend. We're going to start off with Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, WWE pay-per-view that happened last Sunday. Um... Just overall, at least from my interpretation, what I saw, it, it was an okay show. wasn't anything that I'm going to write home about, nothing that I need to really go back and watch again. I don't know how you guys feel. Mike, how, how did you feel just on the, on the whole about the show? Uh, as a whole, I thought it was a good card. Um, I liked the Triple Threat main event. Right. I liked the WWE Championship match. Mm-hmm. But after that, I think everything was either good or didn't really need to be on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a, seems to be a theme, yeah. right? With how yeah. these things are kind of working. I'll right just now. say there's way too many matches. Yeah, for well, like, yeah. What was it 12? 12 matches yeah, on this card. Twelve ten on the main show Ooh. too, or on the pre-show. But. Right, and I think that hinders a little bit the the ability to really tell a story, right? Yeah. You know, the WWE Championship match they had they had some time. The main event obviously had some time, but besides that, you you really didn't have enough to. To really get people invested, I obviously the Intercontinental Championship match between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins that got 18 minutes. But as you could tell, if you if you've already seen it, and if you haven't, go to the WWE Network and watch. There there's chance of boring. There's chance of you know this sucks and it's and they really didn't deliver. If we're being totally honest, you look at that match on paper, and I think that's the same thing that WWE looked at and they said. This could be a match that's really going to define what the Intercontinental Championship means for a lot of us, which is the the workhorse title, the title that means that the Intercontinental Champion generally, historically, is the workhorse title. You're the best wrestler on on the roster. That's usually what the Intercontinental Championship means. Em, I know you kind of were in and out watching a little bit as a title. What did you feel about the show overall? Were you entertained? Could you at least sit through it? Or were you just kind of like, yeah, this is just another pay-per-view? So... TLC matches, I think you want to be a little more exciting, mm-hmm. a little more, mm-hmm. a little more gritty, mm-hmm. a little more something, something. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't like entertained enough to sit still. Right. I was in my room right. making yeah. Christmas cookies, living my best life. Right. So it didn't really catch me right. as much as I probably would have liked to. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, compared to our last week's Ring of Honor show, I felt right. like I was a little more entertained. And that's interesting that you say that, right? Because the TLC pay-per-view historically has been one that people have liked because of all the gimmick matches, the TLCs, the ladders, the chairs, the tables, all that stuff. But it, what you're saying is that compared to la- you know the week before where Ring of Honor show where there wasn't a ton, I mean, we had the one, obviously, at the very end, but it, it's not. It was just straight wrestling for the most part. You know, it's just two guys or three guys, whatever, just, just having a match, and you're more entertained by that, which is interesting in a lot of ways because i think more fans like you where you're kind of in and out you kind of watch it just because of who you're surrounded by most of the time you you think you'd be more entertained with the stuff that with the high fly the the crash and burn type of style but you're saying that you're you're more into just the straight wrestling which is quite interesting so just favorite match mike is your favorite match the main event did you like the wwe title match uh definitely the main event Main event really delivered for me. Right call um, to put it on Oscar. Yeah, yep. Right call. I I think it was the right call. Actually. I think so too. I think so. I think uh, long term it will be the right call. People really didn't like it when it happened. I think. Right. But right. I think long term when you see where they're about to go with the story and everything, I think it's all gonna mesh and it's gonna work very well together. I think a very underrated match on the show mm-hmm. was the SmackDown tag team title match. Right. The Absolutely. Triple Threat tag match. Absolutely. It had been second on the card on the main card, and I think that was. And it's the SmackDown tag team title. So, yeah. You know, so like, really it's cares. like the same three guys three teams that always compete for but though but those but three teams those... though the bar the new day and the usos i mean tell tell me three better tag teams in wwe right now you yeah, don't have main roster right yeah right exactly yeah. They're, you're really not seeing that you know yeah. i mean and i think that's a great point too is that with, with the title being put on oscar the way that we're all kind of projecting this story to go um, is something to really keep an eye on and is something that we're really going to want to harp in on as we get closer. Obviously, the Royal Rumble is in January. We'll be covering that in detail. But with WrestleMania coming up right around the corner, and I think the way they did it with Ronda Rousey coming out, mm-hmm. pushing Charlotte and Becky over, I don't think it hurts Charlotte. It doesn't hurt Becky and her massive push that she's getting, but it also allows Asuka to get the win. Mm-hmm. Get the title off of Becky to let Becky go and do bigger and better things. And what was your favorite match? Was it the, was it the main event as well? Um, I love a good women's match because I think that WWE is really 
I feel like I'm becoming like the show's feminist, but I mean, <laughs> I'm also the only woman on the show's feminist. Right, there you go. But I feel like sometimes the women's matches, they want to push them, but I feel like they just like the storyline, mm-hmm. the creation of it is just weaker. And I think right. they're playing off like stereotypical female characters. You have like right. your and eh, like mm-hmm. high maintenance characters, but mm-hmm. I think like mm-hmm. when you have like three really strong athletes, right? Athletes, they're athletes, like, right? They're, Asuka, they're the best. They're Becky the most compelling. Charlotte. Think about this, folks, just for a second. You had three women. In a TLC match, main event, a WWE pay per view on the main roster. The the amount of times that that happened, we can count in one hand. Let's be let's be completely right. honest with ourselves. So the fact that you have the most compelling storyline is a for the women's championship on the B show SmackDown. Don't get don't don't lose focus, folks. At the end of the day, SmackDown's the B show. It always has been. It always will be. But as far as that story and being able to say we're going to put that in the main event because that's the most compelling story and that's the match that everybody wants to see i think is something that we would not have seen as much as 5 years ago you know so i think mm-hmm. that's something that really kind of transcends everything um any improvements I, I mean for me personally a couple things number 1 i thought the intercontinental title match when I think Intercontinental Championship and I hear the words TLC, I think ladder, right? The Intercontinental title and a ladder match mm-hmm. pretty much are made together. For all the way back, starting um, in the early 1990s, from Shawn and Razor all the way up, you know, to, you know, Rock and Triple H, Jericho, uh, Christian, all these guys, Edge, all these great matches, all these great ladder matches for the Intercontinental Championship, and you have Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins going at it. How is that not a ladder match? Like, I don't understand. Like, I feel like that was like, oh, hey, ladder match, Intercontinental Championship, dub, write it in, check the box, and everyone would be happy about it. I don't know. I don't know. That was the biggest point of contention I think I had was the fact that in that match, to get that kind of attention, to really make that match stand out, especially Mm -hmm. knowing now that we, knowing what we know now, and that match really stunk up the joint in a lot of respects. Yeah. I feel like they missed an opportunity there to really make another classic contest for that. I do believe that. Also, I don't really like the match order that they go in because right. I hate that they put the cruiserweights on the pre-show, right. but the Mixed Match Challenge Finals is on the main card. Yeah, that makes no like, sense. Like, something like that. It's right. just like, I don't understand. Like, Well, you know why, though, right? It's because they had money invested in that Mixed Match yeah, Challenge. They've been pushing it for, for months, and seven people have watched it. You know what wrong. I mean? But then something like <clears throat> Finn Balor and Drew McIntyre are halfway through the show. Mm-hmm. I know we like both those talents, but, like, at the same time... Right. Who cares? Right. There's no. Like, there was not enough. Think... That that could have easily opened up the show, and people would have been, "Oh, okay, that's yeah, fine." That's right. Cool. Yeah. And I, you know, and we know WWE's formula usually is start hot, and then end hot. That's kind of how they are. That's usually why a match like the Intercontinental Title is usually the first match of the card. It's the it's the best wrestler, a guy like Seth Rollins who is on fire in the ring, especially right now. To really start the pay-per-view off on the right note to get fans hot for the rest of the show. Because as we know, a lot of times, it's the first match is really good. Hopefully the main event's good. Everything else in the middle kind of goes meh. So hopefully that formula changes. Anything that you would like to see different on the card, Em? Yeah, I think sometimes the order loses me a little bit with the... Because sometimes you do get a pretty decent pop the first match. Right. Pretty decent pop the last match, but everything in the middle sometimes, like, for your casual wrestling fan, such as myself, right. it's just one giant pile of, like, do mm-hmm. I remember anything that just happened? Right. Because I don't really care that yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I would like to see, too, the WWE Championship have a little more focus as well. I, okay. I, the, obviously, the SmackDown mm-hmm. Women's title was the main focus, why anybody was really watching the show, let's be real. But at the same time, the... A, Daniel Bryan is WWE Champion against AJ Styles, two of the best wrestlers probably ever going at it for that championship, the history and everything goes along with it. I'm a guy personally, as you guys both know, I put a lot of emphasis on championships and I know a lot of, and, and I know the, the value of a title has diminished over the years. But for me, if you're the WWE Champion, you should be the best. That's mm-hmm. that's just how it is. Best at drawing, best in the ring, everything. Obviously, there's guys like Hulk Hogan who kind of transcend that a little bit, but if you're the WWE Champion, you're the Intercontinental Champion, United States Champion, Tag Champs, whatever. If all you are to me is just a gimmick and, and you're nothing else and you're just kind of there, that that to me means that you shouldn't be a champion in my in my mind. I'm very I focus so much on the value of those titles, and I think that's why sometimes this current product frustrates me a little bit is because yeah. of the lack of emphasis on you're the WWE Champion. You're supposed to be the guy that everybody's looking at, saying I want to beat that guy. Just you know, thought process, you know, should be pretty straightforward in that regard. It should always, at the end of the day, 
be about the WWE Championship. So I take it you really hate Brock Lesnar then? Oh my gosh, yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> we don't have enough time, Mike, to go even go over that. That might be a bonus episode, though, so be on the lookout for that. That might be a bonus episode. How much Rob hates Brock Lesnar? <laughs> <laughs> How much did the whole booking of the Universal Championship? But I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna shift now a little bit. We're gonna shift to the NFL. Lions last week. Uh, as of this recording, lost to the Buffalo Bills in embarrassing fashion. Shocker, said nobody. Um, and we talked about last week if they can make it. Obviously, now the playoff hopes are gone. So, f- f- you know, for all intents and purposes, season's over, right? Even if they win the next two games, go seven and nine, they're still out of the playoffs. So, it, it, let's just let's just take a broad approach here. Matt Patricia, first year head coach, New England defensive coordinator for so many years, won several championships. Overall, just. What was our feeling about about Matt Patricia in, in his first year? There's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs. You know, he started off really well here. You know, when he first came here, everybody loved him, right? Everybody kind of fell in love with him at the very beginning when he first got hired. His introductory press conference, the pencil in the ear, everybody was really digging it. Mm-hmm. And, and and then obviously preseason started, and then that Jets game happened, and then everything blew apart. But Mike, I'm going to start with you. Overall, just overall, don't don't give me plus minus and all like that. We'll go into that in a second. But just overall, I mean, what did you think of the job he did? I think for the situation he came into, mm-hmm. I think he did fine yep. for his first year. Right. I think he looked, or it felt like he was a little overwhelmed with yep. some of the games that he played, like that Jets game. Right. Like you know, you got that opening interception that people right. don't remember anymore because right, that was that a great. Like I was at that points. game. That was a great moment. Yeah, you get that opening interception, you're up 7 nothing, and everything's going good, and, and then, then Sam Darnold starts picking boom. you apart and the goes defense. out of the field, defense falls apart, yeah. and you just see him standing on the sideline, he's like, I don't know what to do. Right. It's like, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And then every game after that, it was like the Dallas game, mm-hmm. where Stafford throws what you think would be the game-winning touchdown, right. and then and the Jerry defense, Davis yeah, the has a missed coverage. And, right. and the defense lets the offense down. Yeah. Right, and... and, and I think there's a lot of injuries too that play in with that, and we'll and we'll go over that in a future episode, especially when we're talking about number nine. Um, overall, just how what do you th- how do you think Matt Patricia done so far? So I don't think he's done horribly. I think, in my opinion, as a again slightly more level headed sports fan, I call myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that your first year coming into a new team, we have lots of moving pieces this year. Um, I think he did a good job. I mm-hmm. think, I mean, he comes from the Patriots, and I think that people. You know, mm-hmm. put a lot of weight on like right. you know the Patriots. Are, right. I mean, what they're close to being a dynasty at this point. Well, they are the yeah, most dominant dynasty in. in they, I mean, history. you have. I mean, Bill Belichick. Like, right. I mean, right. You know, of course, he's, he's the greatest like, coach of all the time. Coach, and so mm-hmm. I think people were hoping that some of some of that genius might have been inherited by Patricia, and we just have Patricia Stafford come out like right, guns well, blazing. And, and to your point, right? It, it, and it's funny you say that because a lot of people had that effect and then the other half of people went and said the complete opposite. So many coaches from the Belichick tree have gotten head coaching jobs. Even Josh McDaniels, their current offensive coordinator, was a head coach in Denver and flamed out fairly quickly. Yeah. So it's one of those things to where when he came here, it was okay, we're excited, we have this New England-esque blueprint with Bob Quinn and now... Everyone's looking and saying, okay, Patricia needs to be fired, Quinn needs to be fired, Stafford needs to get traded, and everybody wants to blow everything up. And I and I don't think that's a fair I don't think that's fair to put that on a first year head coach, especially knowing and I think people kind of get this misconstrued when Bob Quinn came out at the end of the last season and said, nine and seven is not acceptable. Now, granted, obviously, even if we go five and eleven this year, guys. By making that choice and by making that statement, I think fans took that as, okay, we're going to win next year. All we need is a coach and we're there. All we need is the coach. And that's not the case. And obviously the way the season's played out, you can see that there's a there's a build and process. But, and I guess that moves on to the next thing. One of some of the good things and some of the bad things that he did. I think for me, some of the good things that he did, especially at the end of this year, the defense has gotten better. I mean, you can, you can look at it however you want, but... From having the issues in the beginning of the year stopping the run to having issues stopping the pass. It kind of went one, two. Five. We've kind of started now the last five, six games really starting to see a better overall Detroit Lions defense. Obviously, the acquisition of Snacks Harrison helped the run game immensely. That's statistically proven. But I think everybody, I think the defense as a whole, Jared Davis has been on fire this mm-hmm. in the past couple games. Obviously, he missed that tackle against Josh Allen. But overall has been way better than anybody came into the year expecting. 
so I think that if that continues and <clears throat> excuse me, if that continues and the defense starts out slow like it does even in New England now and continues an upward trend throughout the year so that they're playing their best football in January, we're going to be in really good shape. Yeah. You know, I mean, Matt, I don't know how you feel. Um, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, let's see. I mean, some, I some mean, bad things. I mean, like, what, what do you think? Did, did you do something that really stuck out to you to say, wow, that was a really good, like, that, I like that. I like that different than what Jim Caldwell would have done. What you know, Or, no, you know what? Even if Jim Caldwell did that, I still would hate it no matter who. Some things I did like, I did like, and people at the time didn't like it. I always liked it. Mm-hmm. Getting rid of Golden Tate for that third-round pick, I know long-term. Right. right. I think long-term, it's such a great idea to Oh, do. absolutely. Especially when Philadelphia's using him right Yeah. Now. Like, short-term, you're like, oh, <clears throat> why would you get rid of his, like... Yeah, your, your go-to guy. Him. Yeah. But, like, I think it was a great move to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could re-sign him. Yeah, after, theoretically, after, you could. theoretically you yep, could. Yep. But you get that extra third round pick and guys that we've gotten from the third round, you know, Deshaun Hand, Kenny Galladay, right. just to name a few. Right. If you can get a talent like that from the third round, mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with saving that much money from Golden Tate Absolutely. to get this well, third especially round. Especially because you did not have a third round pick, right? You exactly. traded that pick to get Deshaun Hand last year, and now you're like, Okay, we need to recoup some assets. Yeah. Um I know a lot of people are going to say the bad thing that he did was keep Jim Bob Cooter. I know, Em, you mentioned that, too, where you, you noticed that. You're like, I remember you saying something, why don't they throw the ball past the line of scrimmage? And that's something that, obviously, as all Lion fans have kind of been yelling at the TV about, but put ourselves in the mindset of new head coach bringing a new defensive system. You're thinking the offense can kind of carry you and carry the defense while they kind of fix out the Kings. Obviously, we assume Jim Bob Cooter's going to get fired pretty much on Black Monday right after the season ends. But um, anything else that kind of stuck out to you as far as his tenure, um, at least in his first year, what he like, what you liked, what you didn't. Obviously, because you're not hyper-focused into the game like, like me or Mike are a lot of times. But just a difference, because obviously you watched last year and you watched this year. So is there anything stark contrast that you noticed, maybe even in how they played, how they approached, how they looked in, in any sort of way? Um, no, I will say that the the gradual improvement of the mm-hmm. team over time, um, I feel like the lines can be a little finicky, where sometimes <laughs> they'll, they'll come out one day and they'll kick a great team's butt, and then right. the next game they'll lose to yeah. you that's know, the, plight the, of the Buffalo lines. Bills. And that's just kind of the thing. <laughs> but I do think that there's definitely been like some signs of growth. And right. just because you're growing doesn't mean you're winning, because right. you're changing Absolutely. things, you're right. doing things differently. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's a really painful process. And when people see change, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, this has changed, so now it must be better. Well, right, and, that, and that's <laughs> what it is, right? And I, I think people thought that, okay, you bring in Patricia. This is Bob Quinn's guy. Everybody's known it for the past two years that until when, when Jim Bob or when Jim Caldwell started losing, it was, oh, okay, this is going to happen, and this is Patricia's going to be the guy. So I think people came in with the expectation of, oh, we're winning the division this year. Right off the bat. And then you look at this team, especially what they did in the offseason, you go, oh, there's no way we're winning the division. We didn't do anything in the offseason to to warrant that kind of of reaction this season. Do I think the season overall could have been better? Absolutely. You let the Jets game go, the San Francisco 49er game go, and even to a certain respect, the Dallas game. Those are three very winnable football games that you lost. Uh, and I think if those games happen later in the year, I don't think they're losses anymore. I'd have rather played New England Week One and got destroyed, and then beat the Jets and the 49ers later on. Like, and that's that's just me. But overall outlook, is he the guy? Is he the guy to at least? I'm not saying the Super Bowl because we're in Detroit, so that's not even really <laughs> at the top. But is he going to get this team? I, let's just let's just assume that Jim Bob gets fired and they hire somebody. Okay. Right. Is he the guy to really get us to the next level? Because that's what we're looking at right now. It's you took away average mm-hmm. in hopes of becoming more than average. Yeah. That's that's really the goal. I think what they need to do for if they would if they want to be successful, they have to get an offensive coordinator that can run the offense by himself. I don't think Matt Patricia is great with the offensive side. Mm-hmm. He's very good with the defensive side, as right. you've seen the Right. Gradual progression that he's made right. over this whole year. You know, he's giving up like 48 to the Jets. Right. And then later to, you know, the Rams, it's only 30. Bears is 20. Well, right. And, yeah, but right. Like, you're, you're holding yeah. some of these higher-powered offenses to, to less points, 
less total yards yeah. and 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 doing the bend but don't break philosophy. Yeah. So I think that if they can do something like the Patriots or even like the Rams do, you know, you have Sean McVay go, okay, defense coordinator, you yeah. got this. Yeah, wait I'm going to go. You do this. Yeah, you do your thing with your defense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go toss my offense. I don't even care. I don't even look at the defense anymore. Right. I, I'm strictly all with the offense. Right. If Patricia can go, hey. You know, whoever you get as an offense coordinator, mm-hmm. help Stafford and you guys take over this offense, and I'm just going to go strictly on defense. Right. I think as a whole that can help. However, if they don't get that guy that can right. help him like that, mm-hmm. I don't know if Patricia can do both sides mm-hmm. and really run it how right. to and make I, this a very contending team. Right. So I think that's I think and that And I think you make a great point, right? And I think the reason why they kept JBC around was because of his rapport with mm-hmm. Stafford, and and it worked, guys. It did. It worked for a, for a set of time. There was a, the Lions offense is one of the best in the league. Don't don't kid yourselves. So now that what we're seeing, and obviously with all the injuries and everything that we have, I think that that's why I'm pushing for a guy like Mike McCarthy if he doesn't become a head coach to become our next offense coordinator because you can get a a head coach who's won a Super Bowl and bring him on your staff. To say, take over the offense. Change everything we do. Get the best next four, five, six years out of Stafford that we know he has. Bring it out of him. Get us pushing the ball down the field again like we used to. And and, and really make this offense effective. If you think you have the run game in place with on Johnson and some of the offensive line pieces you've invested in, I think that a guy like McCarthy, where you're able to push the ball down the field, get another guy in here, get a tight end, I think that the... I think the sky's the limit. It really is. I, I really I do. do. I mean, I don't know how you feel. I know I'm always the optimist when it comes to the Lions. I know every Lions fan over the age of 30 is going to yell at me and say, you haven't been watching long enough. Don't worry, they'll, they'll make you bitter too. But I've been watching long enough to know that this is not the same old Lions of the 1980s. It's not the 90s, and it's not the years of Matt Millen. So for me, I'm extremely optimistic about the future, especially going into this offseason. How do you feel? I think that I am also cautiously optimistic. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's going to be, I mean, if they give Patricia a chance. Right. And they give their, if they get a new offensive coordinator and they give them a chance, it's going to be like, hopefully next year we'll see some semblance of an improvement, maybe get to that first round playoff, first round playoff. But it's going to take like one or two years to really figure out like, is this, I mean, it would be great if they came out next year and blow us all out of the water, but I think it's going to be a very slow Matt Patricia doesn't give me dynamite vibes. He's not like, I don't think he's a very explosive person. Like, I don't right. think he's really good. Right. I think he's a slow, gradual, just like his defense grew. I think he's going to grow right. the team, like, right. slowly, gradually. I don't think they're going to be, like, the next the next right. trendy team. Like, well, you're, yeah. what is it, the Rams this well, year? And that, and well, and that's the thing, though, right? And now that we're seeing that, too, and that's something that Lions fans, I think, need to be aware of. Say you're like the Rams, where you win two divisions back-to-back. Say they even win a playoff game this year. But... As you're seeing in, in the past couple games, the Rams have not looked good, Mm-mm. right? They have not. So you have to be aware and be cautious of being, like you said, that trendy team that their stuff works for a minute, and then all of a sudden it kind of fizzles, right? Like, Sean McVay was in Washington. I don't remember Washington ever having this great offense that was putting up 40 points a game. Do you? No. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of stuff there that... that people kind of need to really dive into. We're going to talk more about that in the kind of the state of the Lions in a future episode. But we're going to shift now to the NBA. Um, a big a big moment in the NBA really happened over the past week. The Indiana Pacers hired Kelly Krauskopf, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, as the first female assistant GM in NBA history. Um, I really don't know... This is something that I, I think is really important for a lot of people and I think is something to where um, people really need to start paying attention because at the end of the day, this is something that has never happened in professional sports before. It is something that really has not a lot, doesn't have a lot of people talking, but I think it should. You know, she she's won, she's had success in the WNBA. She's obviously working for the Pacers. She's now completely getting rid of all those duties and is really taking over and is going to be in charge of really some heavy decision-making as far as building a roster. Um, and I know that you you mentioned this to me and you brought it up to my, brought it to my attention. I mean, just thoughts overall on the hire and, I mean, is that something that you're like, wow, about damn time? Or is this one of those things where is this door slowly opening? So I think it's definitely like a, we're finding qualified women, mm-hmm. good 
qualified women who really have worked time to build like rapport with their male peers. They're understanding the sport right. and they're coming in. And the more and more competent women that we have coming into the scene, I mm-hmm. think the better it'll be. I mean, we have Becky Hammond with this with Sanders, Spurs, with with the Spurs, Spurs right. right now. And I think that move was a big one. Right. And I think the thing that for these first few women, I know that you did a little extra research beyond right. me and sent me a list of some of these women. Right. They, in some ways, are semi-responsible right. now right. for paving the way for the rest of women. Because right. a lot of times you get the whole like... Yeah, she but, just got promoted. She just got the job because she's a woman in right. diversity and blah blah blah. Not, not at that level though. I, I mean, yes, but to be the assistant general manager of an NBA franchise—that's a huge move. And and you know, when you you mentioned Becky Hammond. That's somebody that is legitimately respected throughout the NBA as being a quality coach. I mean, she's under Greg Popovich, who's like the Bill Belichick of the NBA. But I mean. That's somebody that was taking head coaching, you know, interviews this past year. And that's somebody that the, I wanted the Pistons to hire as their head coach because I figured twofold. Number one, obviously the publicity for the team. No one talks about the Pistons. And two, if it works and you hire the first female NBA head coach and it works and you are successful, wow, what a story, right? And what and what what could that build and what could that lead into for other people? I mean, that that in itself I think is is awesome. But I mean what did you think about the hire, Mike? I know you did a little bit of research. You know, she's won a championship as a president for the WNBA Indiana affiliate. Um, I mean, what did you think? Do you think it's a smart move? And should this be a a recurring theme? Should this continue to happen? Should there be more women in male-dominated professional sports be put in positions like this as coaches, as executives, so on? I think it's interesting, actually, because I think having some someone like her come in, mm-hmm. I think it changes the dynamic mm-hmm. a little bit because it just brings in a new mind yeah. and like you know you usually see the same like 40 to 50 coaches always coming yeah, it's a, through it's a, it's a recycling, it's a recycling. Yep. oh um yep. Dwayne Casey leaves oh Pistons pick him up right. oh this guy leaves oh right. he picks him up right. so like all these people are just a cycle yeah. and then you add someone like her in yeah. and she can bring new insight and everything and it's just like football you know you get like Chip Kelly he brings the west coast system yeah. and it's so good in Oregon and then they move it to the NFL and that works and all that stuff if she can come up with like a nice little system that works. Right, right. And, you know, as far as evaluating talent. Exactly, and, and all that really, stuff. And really lending her, her ability. And obviously she is obviously qualified for the job. Won a championship for the WMA. She knows, she knows talent. But, I mean, like we said, there's been a huge uptick in this over the past years, especially, and we're going to give props to the NBA here because the NBA has really, I think, been on the forefront of the of that kind of process. We haven't really yeah. seen it a ton in Major League Baseball Seen it a little bit in football. I know Arizona had a had a running backs coach, I believe, um, on their on their staff a couple years ago with Bruce Arians. But I, I think that this is something that we're going to continue to see more of. You know, yeah. I mean, we like we mentioned it in the, with the WWE how there's a renewed push for the women's division and really putting them in a position to not only succeed but to shine really. And I think that that's really important. Um, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Before we see a woman head coach, and and I know we've seen in her players, they've they've literally asked, they've said, as long as you know what you're talking about, and as long as we win, there's yeah. the respect level there. And I know that's something that a lot of people say. Well, you know, no professional male athlete's going to respect respect a woman because they haven't done it like that. You know what I mean? They haven't. You know, it's it's a little bit different. But I think, you know, if as long as you're winning, and as long as it works, and as long as you can help me as a player improve. I think that's all players at the end of the day really care about. You know, and I, I don't know how you feel about that. I know you're you kind of you kind of get frustrated with that with that saying, but in, in reality, it's true though, right? Is that if you haven't done it or you don't have a track record, it's really hard to buy in until it starts working. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure, I t- I completely agree with that. I think that just like there are men who coach women's sports, right. I don't see why there should be an issue. Women coaching men's sports. Right, I, like, it really should. And right. I mean, if, if they understand the sport, they know the sport. I'm sure there are like tons of coaches who weren't exactly like peak pro players right. who were men. Right. And I feel like they get a little bit of like a default card. Like, oh right. yeah, you played like you played a couple years in college. Now you're a coach, so right. like we respect the heck out of you. But right. I mean, I feel like men will get a little bit more benefit of the doubt. And yeah. I don't think it's almost so much with the players yeah. and the like management business side of the teams i right. think it's like a public opinion thing oh absolutely like, I think it's like, absolutely like i think a lot of people are like 
you have like people who are really excited about seeing women, people mm-hmm. who are kind of like, I really could care less, just right. make my team win and I don't care. Right. And there's people who are just uncomfortable with change. Mm-hmm. They're uncomfortable with the idea that like a woman could go in, mm-hmm. coach a man's sports team, right. and like totally kick butt. Right. And that's like, that's weird for them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I get it. And I get it. They were raised in an era where, or likely the social and cultural conditioning they've experienced is like, Right. Why? And Absolutely. why would a woman know? She's they're little. They don't have the same power. They don't. Mm-hmm. They couldn't understand. So, right. but I think it's definitely like an upward tick. I think. Yeah. Continue I mean, and it's not just. And I know we mentioned Becky Hammond, but you know, there's uh, you know Natalie Nakase for the Clippers, who's who's currently a coach right now. Christy Tolliver with the Washington Wizards. Uh, Chastity Melvin uh, in the NBA G League. Katie Sowers is an assistant with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, there, there's several people, and even people that maybe not, aren't coaching right now. Um, Catherine Smith was with the Buffalo Bills a year ago. Uh, Nikki Gross was with the NBA G League for the Raptors. Uh, Dawn Braid was with the Arizona Coyotes in the NHL. So there's a lot of women that maybe aren't getting the publicity that um, that Kelly is getting with the Pacers, just because it's a lot. It's a bigger, high-profile. Uh, position. I mean, assistant GM. I mean, you're right there in the draft room. You know, what I mean, you're making draft boards. You're you're evaluating talent. Scouts are coming to you saying, "Hey, I like this guy. I like this guy. I don't like this guy." So there's a lot of decision making that goes into it. So I am extremely intrigued as to how it's going to go and the future of the Pacers and to kind of see how that dynamic works and to see if more teams adopt it. So that'll be something that we're definitely going to look forward to seeing more of. Um, shifting more back now to local news, the Detroit Pistons. Now, I'm going to go here for a second, and, and bear with me, guys. We talked on our premiere episode about how the Pistons were playing so well, and they won, what was it, six in a row at that point? They're coming off a huge win against the Warriors. Five in a row. Five in a row. And they beat the Warriors, and we're thinking, wow, maybe this is maybe this team's back on track. Maybe we got a little bit of hope here, maybe even a division championship. And then they go out. And they lose seven out of the last nine. Probably t- seven, eight out of the last ten because they just lost the Hornets, right, as of this recording. So the fact that they went out and embarrassed me on my show I think is ridiculous. Shame on you, Detroit Pistons. But And that's going to kind of lead me, I mean, what the heck's the problem? I mean, tell me, Mike, because you're my NBA guy. What the heck is the deal? All of a sudden you're losing... I mean, I get it we went into the tough stretch of our season, but, I mean, losing to the Hornets and the 76ers and the Bucks, and not not even being competitive in some of these games, it's really starting to piss me off. I'm going to be honest with you. And my show's called I'm Always Right. The least they could do was make me look good, but instead they go out and embarrass everybody and lose 7 out of 9, 8 out of the last 10. That's ridiculous. Uh, nine out of the last 11, if you want to be exact. I I like exact here, but... um. I think it, there's a couple factors into it. It's uh, They did hit their hardest part. I mean, every team they played besides Charlotte once in the right. last 12 games has a winning record and yeah, should but, be in the playoffs. But so, now, but not, I mean, come on. I'm not saying, but like, I mean, that, no team goes through that stretch usually right. of like 11 games, eight of them on the road that are all playoff. Listen, compar- I don't mean it to be teams. undefeated, but I would like not over. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, come on. come on. Come on. Jeez. But I also think it's due to some of the injuries we've gotten. I mean, yeah. Ish has been hurt. Yeah. So you don't, you mean Jose Calderon's coming in as your backup point guard. Listen, he's I only mean, 55 years old. He's yeah, got exactly. Of legs I mean, left. I guess it's not terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, I mean, he was on the Cavs last year, and look what they got. Oh, yeah. Conference <laughs> championship. Forgot. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, you have, like, injuries all across the board. I don't think Blake Griffin's been playing his best basketball lately. I mean, he missed a game-winning or game-tying three-pointer in the last yeah. couple of games, Well, too. the fact that Blake Griffin's the guy taking your three-point shot when you've Shows got you other people who can take a bet. They were ranked, like, 20th yeah. in three-point percentage or something. Like I'm sure we'll every, take a ton every, of them, too. Everything is just... It's not going right. However, I do think you're going to see a flip soon mm-hmm. because this later part of their schedule when they play teams like Atlanta right. and they play Memphis, who isn't the best, Orlando, right. Sacramento. These yeah. are all the teams that are coming up. And right. so you should be starting to get some momentum and their home games, right. get some momentum going. Right. As And we're right around the corner from Christmas. And I know we talked about on our debut episode where we said uh, right around Christmas is you're going to be able to tell. So now I was going into Christmas thinking, okay, we got a team that could be competing for a division championship, that four, five, six spot. And now it's, I'm like, what the heck? And I kind of, and I think part of that, the injury perspective, I think Reggie Jackson 
needs to get up or get out. Because I'm tired of seeing a guy like that who is not a pass first. He's a score first, but he's but he's not scoring. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, we went to that Philadelphia 76ers game a couple weeks ago, and he had like three turnovers within the first six minutes of the ball game. Yeah. Now, I know that's a small sample size, but gosh dang it, man. I mean, you've been here a couple years. You were brought here to be the guy, to be a starting point guard, not the man off the bench, and you haven't made the most of your opportunity. The pick and roll ain't working, okay? He, he's, been, he's been terribly ineffective, which I guess leads to the rumors of the Pistons looking at trading for Markel Fultz. Now, I don't know necessarily if that's going to be a better solution, but I'll tell you this, he's cheaper, and also, at least there's an upside there. I know what I have in Randy Jackson, and I think a average at best point guard who goes streaky more than anybody else I've ever seen. So, I don't know whether it would be a good move. Obviously, I'd have to see the terms of a trade oh, if it yeah, happened, but... I don't know how you feel, Mike, but Markel Fultz as a piston, I don't know if that helps anything, but to to, to, to the to kind of be on the side of this a little bit, having guys like Blake Griffin there kind of take that pressure off a little bit mm-hmm. and being the leader and saying, hey, listen, dude, just get me the ball. If, if I think they need a facilitator more than they need a scorer. I think they need somebody who can facilitate – Drive and dish. Drive and dish. Yeah. Instead of Reggie Jackson taking stupid-ass three-pointers all the damn time well, or turning the ball over, it's driving me nuts. I would say my only problem to that theory right. is Markel Fultz doesn't do that in his own team anyway. I know. You have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid doing that in his own team, and he's still yeah, and he's not doing right anything. Yeah, and he's right doing hurt, too. and he's yeah. hurt right now and everything. So I don't think adding him, actually, I think if you were, depending on the terms of the trade, right. if you did add him for mm-hmm. not, like, if you gave away, like... What about what about just straight, what about, you can't give up assets, right? But yeah. a guy that's been floated out there is Reggie Bullock, who is your best three-point shooter... But that's somebody that the 76ers could look at because they want three more three-point shooting. You give Reggie Bullock away and second-round pick or whatever for, I think for him. If you look at I, I like Reggie Bullock personally. I as do, our, too. As a shooter. Right. If you believe truly enough if Luke Kennard could be your guy right. to come in and help you shoot. Or Luke Kennard does another guy. Or Luke Kennard or you trade Luke Kennard or something. I yeah. could see because having Markel Fultz as the backup point guard, right. I could actually see working because right. if Reggie Jackson's having one of those days where he just – can't make shots but doesn't pass either. You yeah. go okay, Markel, go, go in ahead. there and just see what thing. happens. You know, do your thing, and maybe they he can run. They can run the offense through him. Uh, yeah, but I, would, I, I like also I'd like to I'd, I'd, well, Griffin's here. I'm gonna run the team through Griffin, so I don't. There's no need right. for that portion of it. Right, but I agree. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's tough too because you know when you think about it, and you make a lot of great points that I didn't even really think of, but. With that, it's all about what you're giving up, right? And, and it's all about what you're giving because up. you can't give up future assets right now. You really can't. You're you're not in a phase to where you're in a win now mode, really. No. Um, so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very difficult to kind of truly understand and and really forecast what he's gonna be. Obviously, he hasn't been the best. And I don't know how you feel about it. I know that we went to that Pistons game and I was throwing a fit because we were playing like garbage. <laughs> but um, I don't I don't know. It's one of those things where I go and I say. I don't know if it's just me thinking that I'm just so not a Reggie Jackson fan anymore. I know he's going to be gone after next season anyway, but it's still for me, I'm just like, oh, we're wasting what good years of this contract we have of Blake Griffin, and we're wasting it, and we're going to be stuck with crappy Blake Griffin when we're ready to win, and it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't know how you're at with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't say that I picked the Pistons game to take you to for your birthday because I was like, well, he'll be angry probably, but it's not as bad when the Lions lose. So it's okay. But you were not thrilled. Um, I think that, I mean, I don't know, anything to mix it up. I mean, Reggie, Reggie Jackson. I mean, we were there, know. right? He just looks like he's not invested. He's not, he doesn't look he like he wants like to be dead. there. Yeah, he doesn't he look like he wants to be there half the time. And I'm like, dude, you think you'd be like jumping for joy at this opportunity, but I guess it's one of those things where he got paid. He got his 80 million bucks from us, so I guess he's just kind of like chilling. I don't know. For me, it just frustrates the heck out of me because yeah. I look at this team and I think that there's a team that could theor- not make a championship run. Let's not be silly. But a playoff series I don't think should be out of the realm anymore with you, what what you have on this team. I think it depends where you see it. 
with I think if you see it against Boston in the first round, well, I think yeah. something like that is very doable. Right. But if you get low and you're playing like Toronto or something, or right. even you know Philly or Indiana, right? It's those are rough series for the Pistons. Right, I, I agree. So you know, I, mean, I, I think you know, I don't obviously... I don't know if they're good enough where you can say almost against any team. Yeah, I think I would take them. Like, I don't think I would take the Pistons in the series against anyone right now. And that's <laughs> well, neither would I, especially the way they're playing. That's and I think that's tough, too, because as we know, the Pistons are built completely opposite of how the NBA is trending. You went, you had two big guys in Blake and Andre as your pillars who both work best in the paint, where the NBA is going completely away from that and is going, we're going to spread the ball out five wide yeah. and drain three. Now, I would not mind that because I think they have athletic bigs, right. as in Blake and Drummond. Right. They if they, if they could play defense... <laughs> I would be totally down for this op- for this Mike, team. Mike, Mike, we're talking about the NBA. The we're talking side. about the no, NBA, no, no. <laughs> not the defense. Oh, oh, that, that's the D word. You're not allowed to say that word. I know. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you could play an ounce yeah. of the D word, yeah. <laughs> we would have way more success because I know we're not going to score. You know, the Warriors can score 170 points if they really wanted to. If right. all four of them right. really were, were shooting on. and were really on, they could score like 160, 170 points. Right. And... We can maybe hit 80, you know, maybe 100 on a good day or something. Right. So we need, like, if they could play an ounce of defense with how this team's built, right? Uh, I, w- I don't mind how the team's built if yeah. that's the case. However, right. you know, when you love 123 to Minnesota Ugh. or, like, you know, 130 to the Warriors whenever you play them, right. like, these are just way too many. Right, it's too many so, points, right. Uh, you just... Then you're just shooting like they're shooting themselves out of the game. But yep. if they can play defense, right, I'm right. Far and con- and ball up. control, right, yep. and really take up the clock and really work it down low in the post. I think it's something that we'll have to explore more, especially if they kind of come back on the upward swing, which which you're kind of hoping they will. But yeah. we'll kind of see. But so we're gonna go to our last topic of the day, and we're gonna shift a little bit to college football. We're noticing a big trend in college football over the past few years: bowl skipping. Now. See, locally, at least here, Rashawn Gary is not playing. Devin Bush isn't playing for Michigan. Um, and we're seeing other guys. I know last year Christian McCaffrey said, I'm not playing in my bowl game. Sorry. Um, and it's, it's pretty common now for any team that's not in the college football playoff. But um, just overall, what are you guys' thoughts on, on them not playing? And should they play? Should they be playing? Do, do they owe it to the team? Do they owe it to the university who has given them a free education? Um, I mean, for what it was worth, I don't know. They probably all got you know majors in criminology or something, but, <laughs> you know. But whatever the case may be, should they be playing? Should or or is it kind of like I'm done? I'm not playing for anything of substance. So. Thanks, but I'm gone. That's exactly it. You're not playing for anything. So let me tell you. <laughs> hey, the Peach Bowl. Oh, oh, the Peach Bowl. Who was in the Peach Bowl last year? Teams. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> two of them. Two yeah, of them. There were two of them. Are you sure there wasn't three? No, nope, nope, it was two. It wasn't okay, triple threat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, anyway, so um, but there's no reason for them to play these games, honestly. Right. Like, if you're Rashad Gary and you're like, and people are telling you, hey, you're going to be in the top five in the right. NFL draft. Why would you go play the Peach Bowl? Which, by the way, I'm going to make it clear right here, right now. Rashawn Gary is not a top five pick in nope. any sense of the imagination. Don't let your girls get fooled. But side note, sorry, I just had to say oh, it I because... Chase Winovich oh, over my, him, oh but, my goodness. <laughs> if you want to be honest about Michigan players Good right now. Good lord. But, um, Kick Devin Bush over him. But oh, fine. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, like, I just find there's no reason to play. Right. As in like all the other sports that we watch. You know, If you're not going for the championship, then... Like, well, why go out there and try to win? Right. Next why put yourself show, at risk? Yeah, honestly, like, when you watch, that's the awesome thing about college basketball is, like, your season's either done or you're in the 64-man tournament with a shot to win in one-game eliminations. Right. That's why everyone loves to watch every single game. Yep. That's why you could be watching Texas Tech and Furman. BYU or Furman <laughs> or whoever, whatever random team or GCGF right. or whoever upset right. Virginia last year. Yep. And you watch every single game because you're like, there's a chance they could upset. Right. And every single game means something because they're all trying to fight for this championship. Yep. When you only have four teams in the... Uh, fighting for the college football championship, then every other bowl game, everyone's just like, "Oh wow, cool!" Washington's playing Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. It's great. Yeah, like, right. oh, oh, Ohio State won. Oh, who right. cares? Right. Yeah, it doesn't. Oh, cool. It really doesn't matter. Right. Nothing exactly. matters. So I, mean, like, I know. I know. 
you're you're kind of on that same wave like a little bit where you're just like yeah like I don't care right like honestly as as a Michigan fan I don't care that they're playing Florida mm-hmm. I really don't even if I, they were in the Rose Bowl I still don't care no. you didn't win the Big Ten you didn't you're not going to the college football playoff I don't care no I think t- you could go who Michigan played two years ago and you go uh yeah that one right. team in the bowl game right that exactly. they, they didn't yeah. matter because right we didn't they, yeah. we didn't they win they anything win. of any sort of uh, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. If, if if us as fans don't care, why in the world should the players care that are, at the end of the day, trying to make a living and trying to make the most money possible? Uh, I, I don't know what your thoughts on it. Do you think they should play, or are you kind of on the same path as we are? I mean, one, I don't think many fans super care about the bowl. I mean, you love to see your team win a bowl game, but it doesn't matter. Not if, if it's not not if it's not the freaking... Not, not if it's for a ring, man. If you're not winning a championship, I don't well, care. Okay, okay. Well, some, some people are like, okay, whatever, that's nice, you won the yeah. bowl game. But here's the thing. You made a point earlier, like, well, do they owe it to the university? What does more for a university's football program, players getting drafted really high in the NFL because they're not injured in a stupid bowl game, or players or people winning a stupid bowl game? Well, I feel like... I mean, you do win, you do get money, you are paying yeah. for a team to go but out But I there. feel like yeah. the reputation, I mean, what we have, like, Alabama... I mean, like, Mm -hmm. Ohio State. Like, some of these big schools, they have a reputation of players going to the NFL. And I feel like... I feel like at the end of the day, like, if I was a college or if I was... In fact, I don't want to say employees because there's a big scandal where they don't get paid. But they... Which they they, should, by the way. But it's fine. They work for the university in some way. They play for the university. But, I mean, like... To the university, I think you have a benefit one way or the other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, now, put yourself... And we know that one football team doesn't necessarily... I'll hinge on one player anyway. Well, so, eh, so, usually. That was all yeah. one guy. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> but, I mean, now put yourself in their situation just for a second. Just just straight yes or no, it would be fine. But, I mean, say you're not even, you're not a, you're not a top five pick. You're not even a first round talent, right? Mm-hmm. Do you still play? I think that's the part that gets interesting because because they don't have anybody to to like the yeah. NBA where they go yeah we think you'd go in the yeah. first round this i think that's why this Karan Hignan yeah situation's very interesting right. because he's like i'm not going to play and he's supposed to be like a fourth round talent right. where if you do play and say you get like and you destroy and you it. have like 400 yards against yeah. a top team like Florida yeah. and all this stuff and people go oh wait look at this guy right man we should and you're playing in like a more of a prime you're playing at 12 o'clock I think on right. championship Saturday anyway yeah but you're playing on like a prime time you're the only fo- college football game on that and that time slot right. so everyone that watches college football is like watching that game only and you break out and you have 400 yards or something mm-hmm. and everyone's like wait wait, wait maybe we should look at him i think that's the only situation where i see that i would play right if i'm if i'm anywhere in the first round count me out mm-hmm. even maybe second early second round or something if i'm projected second I, i'd probably say out anything lower than that though i would say let me try to increase my draft stock right absolutely absolutely no doubt about it absolutely and i, I mean i'm not playing let's be real here if i have any chance of going to the nfl and i think that i have a legitimate chance of 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 doing anything especially you know, if if you've been a starter all year on a primetime program, you got enough tape out there. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. You That's got enough. You got enough tape. It's one of those things where if you can play, the NFL is gonna find you. Let's be real. But shifting a little bit, does this because this is becoming more widespread, and I anticipate it's going to continue to grow with more and more players every year saying, you know what. I'm not playing for anything that important anymore. Mm-hmm. I did my time. It's time for me to go cash in now. Is this going to be the main catalyst for the for NCAA to go? We need we need an eighteen playoff. This is I think I think this is the perfect way to fix it too. Right. I think what you need to do is I'm sorry for all these lower schools. I get there's a lot of money involved, so they'll never do it and right. stuff. I think you got to get rid of all the dumb bowl games. Right. And I think the week before this final four weekend, right. the weekend before on a Friday night and Saturday night, you need to have. Two, what would it be? Two games on each day, mm-hmm. or whatever, and you just have to have the eighteen playoff, and that's it. That's yeah. all you should have. Right. It's eighteen playoff because then you won't have to have all. If Michigan doesn't make the eighteen playoff, then you don't have a bowl. You don't have that extra game where people could get hurt. Right. Then you just go, okay, next year we're done. Right. Yep. Kron Higgins be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Right. And all these people can be like, I'm done. I don't have to worry about the pressure of everyone going. 
oh, Rashad Gary, you're not going to play? Right. Why are you going to play? Chase Winovich, you're not going to play? Why aren't you going to play? Instead right. of all day. I mean, yeah, obviously, of- obviously the NCAA is not going to cancel their bowl games. They make too much money off of it. I mean, they have a Idaho Potato Bowl, for goodness sakes. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, they're it's not, classic. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're obviously not going to, to do that. But to your point, though, Mike, I think that any team with any sort of talent on there that's not in the college football playoff they're not going to play. No, you know what I mean. And, and it's one of those things to where you go, if you're the NCAA, okay, I got four teams. I got two games, three games if you include the actual playoff itself, the the last game. Two of good football. Everything Left. else is going to be reduced, watered down football with guys that aren't playing because they're going to the NFL. Yep, I totally agree. I mean, in pro football. You watch every single game of the playoffs right. because everything's right. going for the Super Bowl. Right, and if you lose, you're done. Even even if you know Buffalo and Jacksonville played last year, right. and I was glued to it because I'm like, who's going to make it to the next round? Everything. If you have four actually very good football teams mm-hmm. or four very good games with eight teams in them right. that really deserve to be there and everything, absolutely, you could have some. And then you, that's where you could have some crazy uh, sports oh, moments yeah. or where upsets. Absolutely. UCF is playing, and yeah. they're like, "We should be in this," and they play Alabama, and they upset Alabama. Right. Because, TV yeah. ratings up the wall, the right. roof. Well, we saw that with game. we saw that with the NCAA basketball with Loyola, Chicago, wherever. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, everyone was crazy about that team because they're like yeah. where is this team coming from you know yeah. what i mean you make it to the final four you know before getting a beat down like you should have but it's one of those should things to where first round right but, um hey. it's one of those things to where obviously i think be, due to probably i think people as fans are going to go yeah it might be on the background or something like that but no one's really going to be watching the same way they would right like yeah. alabama fans are going to be invested clemson fans are going to be invested but yeah Michigan fans aren't going to be invested. This is a wasted year. At the, uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Ohio State fans aren't going to watch the Rose Bowl because who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, the Rose Bowl, yeah, great, you win the Rose Bowl, but if you didn't win a college football playoff from because of it, I don't think it matters. Em, do you, you got any final thoughts on that? <laughs> that? You know what, though? That sums it up perfectly because that's how all of us feel, right? And that's how all the players yeah. feel, too. They go, you know what? I'm done. It's it's over. We didn't we didn't do what we were supposed to do. We we're not at the point in our season where we'd like to be. So there's really no. point. That's also why I love the college football season. Right, because, because everything matters. You could you could be Alabama versus the Citadel, mm-hmm. and you're watching because you're like, if somehow they lose, they're out. Mm-hmm. Every single game is important, right. and which is why the season I feel is very important. However, I just I just hate that you hit all these bowl games, and everything. And the season's kind of like a waste almost at the very end. Absolutely. When you're like, you invested all this time into Michigan or whatever. Yep. And they don't make the four team. They right. miss it by two teams or they're the seven Right, yeah. Because if it's an 18 playoff, Michigan's still in. Michigan's so still in it. UCF has their white. Ohio yeah. State has their right. You have teams that could theoretically pull so off. So then you're not just like wasting your time every mess. year. Now, if you're like an Illinois fan, you're three and nine every year, then like. Well, that's your own fault. Yeah, you, you hired, you hired yeah. Lovey Smith. You deserve Yeah, it. so like, but like, you know, you're going through the season. You're like, oh my God, Michigan's. Ten and one, they just have to win one more game. They lose, and now your season's over. Right. I just wasted thirty hours watching football for <laughs> from to get blown out, and now you're done. I right, guess, whatever. All right, that's gonna do it for us this week. And I'm always right, but just so you guys are aware, we are coming to YouTube very, very soon. My lovely fiance got me a new video camera for Christmas, so we're coming to YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to be promoting the heck out of it pretty soon. We're going to see it on all of our social media. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow all of our individual Twitter accounts, our Instagram pages, everything. We're coming to YouTube. It's going to be huge. And also, we all got time off during this Christmas season, so we are going to be doing some bonus content that's coming your guys' way. We're going to be talking about number nine, our favorite Matthew Stafford. We're going to be talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan, that whole argument. We're going to be talking a whole bunch of fun individual stuff, not just about the players, but about their careers and everything else in between. We're going to be talking about all this high intensity. I know there's going to be some comments made. I know there's going to be some arguments, some elbows being thrown. But it's going to be a fun, exciting time that we all want you guys to tune in. And if you have comments, suggestions for other topics you'd like to hear about, please let us know. Send us messages. We're always there. We're always willing to be better for you guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Any other holiday you guys celebrate, have a good time. And until next week, I'm the Mouth of Michigan for the Merc Zone, for the Brain. See you next week.